you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Relationship Psych. I have a very special treat for you today. I have a special guest, Jasmine Irvin, and we're going to hear all about something she is a master of. I'm going to describe what that is in just a second. So for now, you just get some suspense. But hey, Jasmine, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Amber, thank you for having me. Okay, so why she is going to blow your mind and be a super rock star is this. So maybe you have a partner. And your partner likes space. They either emotionally disengage from conversations or physically walk away. Maybe sometimes you can do those things, or maybe it looks more like when you're in a conflict conversation, your nervous system goes really offline and you say hurtful things you don't mean. And you end up later having to apologize for what you said rather than actually getting to focus on the issue that you were upset about in the first place. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it has happened to me. And most of the people I work with, if you're listening to the show, I'm willing to bet one of those scenarios has happened to you. So why this happens, why people walk away, why they emotionally disengage, check out, why we get super escalated and we say hurtful things we don't mean is because our nervous systems are too activated. So what happens in our nervous system when we're in conflict with our partner is we go into fight, flight, or freeze. And the thing is, outside of the context of a danger situation, we're not always aware, actually, Research shows most of us aren't very good at noticing when we have gone into fight, flight, or freeze. You know, our our, uh, heart rate goes up, our heart starts beating faster, we might feel tightness in our chest, we might feel a little dizzy, hot, sweating, Uh, we might all of a sudden have some GI symptoms. We might even feel like we're standing outside ourselves watching ourselves. And these things happen because we have gone into fight, flight, or freeze, and we say things we don't mean, or we just check out. So the antidote to these things is regulating our nervous system and finding a way to regain composure and control uh, of, of our emotional state. And so that's getting your heart rate down to, in most cases, under 100 beats per minute when we're at rest. And that is finding a way to get centered and grounded in how you actually want to show up in that conversation. And so I have got us this very special guest who can help us out with a tool that is going, can give us some strategies to regulate our nervous systems. It is something that in my personal life, I can be resistant to like, so resistant. I was just telling Jasmine before we got and hit record here that my business coach has recently assigned me a meditation at 16 minutes and it feels like pulling teeth for me to do. But anyways, I know there's great value in it. I do it. So now that I have talked about why this is so important, let's talk about Jasmine. So Jasmine is a certified meditation teacher and the founder of Sustainable Bliss Collective. 
Uh, she has a community membership for ambitious women who need reminders to reprioritize their self-care. Yeah, okay, I need that reminder. So she's super cool because she has experienced burnout, dealing with an autoimmune disorder, and stress caused by her corporate career. And I don't know about you, but I feel like as a woman going after all my career stuff, burnout is something I am constantly teetering on the edge of. So she transitioned into becoming an entrepreneur, finding harmony in her own life and her schedule without sacrificing her income or her career or relationship goals. So what is super cool about her is her practical approach to self-care. And yes, meditation isn't just woo-woo. It is also practical. It's research-based, um, really great way to regulate calm anxiety and soothe. So again, so cool to have her here. She has inspired over 1 million people every month using relaxation through her social media content, blog posts, and weekly self-care sessions. So her mission is to help more young people reconnect with themselves, reduce overwhelm and stress so they can find more calm, even in their busy schedule. And we're going to learn about finding more calm, even when your partner is bothering you or you're super upset. So welcome Jasmine. So stoked to have you on the show. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so I think uh, Jasmine is really cool. That's that's all of her accolades, but one of the cool things about her is just her essence, and she's got like this calming vibe. <laughs> and within the first few minutes of talking to her, we met as part of a group, and we did a Zoom call, and I just was like, wow, she's got this super soothing energy. I can see why she does what she does. And uh, yeah, I'm just so excited for you all to talk to her today and understand how we can use meditation to find some common bliss in our lives. So I know there is lots of misconceptions out there, Jasmine. I personally am riddled with misconceptions. And so tell me, what are some of the most common misconceptions about meditation? Yeah, if I can start by saying that the fact that you said I'm bringing like this calm energy, it, that is so nice to hear because I am such an introvert and like podcasts, interviews, anything where I'm like having to share about myself and, you know, share knowledge and stuff, even though it's stuff that I'm so passionate about and love talking on. I, it makes me so nervous. And so I had to do my own deep breaths before this call because I, it's, it's just something that is so nerve wracking to me. So yeah. for you to say that means so much to me and it shows that it's, you know, it's working because, you know, I, I was able to calm my nervous system enough to have this conversation and feel good about it. So thank oh, you for that. I, yeah, well, it's true. I do feel like you have this beautiful calming energy. And I think that even what you just shared is such a teaching moment for so many people, because I think I speak to so many people daily who have big dreams and big goals and they're afraid of their anxiety. And by facing it and putting yourself out there, we just become braver and stronger. So thank you for your vulnerability yeah. and humility there. Of course. Yeah. I like to share it because it's, it's such a part of my life. So yeah, it's really, really important to me. So misconceptions. Yes. Let's talk about them. The main one that I hear is that people say that they're not good at meditation. They say they try it. They've tried to, you know, close their eyes, shut off, quote unquote, shut off their mind. And it doesn't work. They have a lot of thoughts popping up. And for that reason, they feel that they're not good at meditation. And that is the biggest misconception because the idea behind meditation is not to shut off your mind or to completely clear your mind of any thoughts. We have thousands and thousands of thoughts a day. If you expect to be able to just sit down after like shutting your laptop and getting off social media two minutes prior, and then expect for you to have no thoughts, that is such an unrealistic expectation to put on yourself. So 
that's not the intention behind meditation. It is true that over time, if you practice consistently, you will likely have less thoughts, or at least you'll be able to notice when your mind starts to wander a little bit quicker and you'll be able to pull yourself back to the present, back to your breath a lot quicker. So yes, that is kind of a goal that you can set loosely for yourself, but don't stop doing the practice or stop trying because you feel like you're not good at it. I don't think that there is anyone who who can't not be good at it if they put in the effort and, and the practice. So yeah, don't put that expectation on yourself. I will say the, the goal is more so to become an observer of your thoughts. So to notice when your mind is wandering and notice, oh, I'm thinking about, you know, something that happened yesterday. Well, that's not really important in this moment right now. Right now, I'm just trying to focus on my breath or you're thinking about something that you're going to do in the future or like right after I get done this meditation, I have like six calls to make. And again, it's just about recognizing, oh, yes, you know, I do have those calls to make, but right now I'm just giving myself this time to focus on myself and to focus on my breath. So I can pull myself back to the present moment. That's not really that important right now. So you can become an observer. You can recognize when thoughts aren't as helpful and you can pull yourself back to the present moment. And that's really what meditation is. It's just the continuous practice of, oh, my mind's wandering. It's going down the rabbit hole. Let's bring it back. Where am I right now? How am I breathing? How am I feeling? That kind of check in. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions. I don't know if you've had that before? Like, do you, have you ever felt like you're not good at it? Cause it's very easy to feel like that. I feel like that sometimes. And I have to always remind myself it's a practice. <laughs> yeah. I think like you just said so many good things there. I think personally for me, uh, I'm not good at it. Isn't a good. belief. I have the belief, like I don't like it because I don't like having to slow my mind down and not think about whatever I'm thinking about. But I think, you know, it kind of goes a similar way to people that think like, I'm not good at it because I know what it's like to have a bunch of thoughts going through your mind and be thinking about those and not want to redirect to mm-hmm. your breath or whatever you're feeling. And, um, so it's, it's like a bit of a different spin, but it's the same thing of just being aware of what I am thinking instead, and then making a choice to like, oh, that's a thought. Mm -hmm. What is that productive or helpful to be thinking about in this moment? Okay. Yes. I'm having that thought, but I could also think about that thought later. And so what you talked about with respect to like, just noticing, observing and, uh, being thoughtful about what do I want to think about? totally applies to my practice of the things I need to coach myself through when I'm doing meditation. And I think another thing that you talked about here was really important was, was that it's a practice to get, even if you, if you come into it thinking you're not good at it. uh, I mean, of course you're not at the beginning of any new thing. That would be wild if you just started off. I mean, I'm sure there is those people that start off and they're like, bam, life-changing, didn't have any other thoughts. But I think for the most part, it's a practice. And when I'm doing anxiety work, a lot of times, um, some of the same principles you just talked about, we do an anxiety work, it's attention retraining, except we call it by a different name. And so it's getting present with whatever you are actually doing and practicing being present with that, whether it's sweeping the floor or deep breathing or having a shower, just like if I'm having a shower, noticing the temperature of the water on my skin and noticing how it feels, noticing the pressure noticing, you know, I'm lathering my hair with shampoo. How does that feel? How does it smell? Do I like it? 
and, and being present with that experience. And I can see a lot of overlap with just practicing having attention to practicing noticing your breath or practicing noting your thought, noticing your thoughts and practicing choosing to not think about that other thing. So I think there's lots of really great overlap there as a practice. So yeah, I totally get that misconception though. I'm not good at it. And I have people, so sometimes when I'm doing therapy, I do suggest meditation, even though I've talked about it being a grind for me, I know it is helpful for others. And they say that to me, I'm not good at it. I've tried it. Or they say like, I tried it. It doesn't work. And I'm yeah. like, oh, hold on. Like, yeah. What are you, what are you expecting to work exactly? Let's, let's break that one down. Have you heard that? Like, it doesn't work. And you're like, yes. well, yes. what, what is the magic end results? What are we, what are we trying to get? work exactly here. Exactly. And I'm of the belief that if you took the time to sit down for five or 10 minutes and you were trying to focus on your breath, you're meditating. Like don't, don't set this expectation that again, that your mind is supposed to be clear that something magical is supposed to happen. It's really, and to your point, it is uncomfortable, especially at the beginning, because another misconception, we believe that it's not productive. You know, mm. we think that sitting and just being for five, 10 minutes is, you know, I could be doing so many other things. There's so much else that has to get done in my life and that I could be doing right now. So meditation is not productive and yeah, there's, I'm not winning when I do it, or I, I didn't achieve anything when I did it. So there's no point. It doesn't work. Exactly. They're, they're also connected. And I would argue that we are doing so much of our lives and we are always moving from thing to thing. We never give ourselves the time to slow down at all. And when we think about like when we get the best ideas and you know, all those things, like it's in the shower, it's when we went on a walk and for some reason forgot our phone. And so we were forced to kind of slow down or to pay attention to the things that are going on around us or to just let our mind kind of wander even, which is, you know, might think it's counterintuitive to meditation, but really what you're doing is you're allowing your mind to wander and then you're bringing it back, you know, when you realize that it's unhelpful or whatever thoughts that are coming up. But sometimes even in meditation, I will get people ju just to allow their minds to wander because it's that time to just to just be, that is so important and we never get it. And so then we get to the end of our day and our minds are going crazy when we're trying to go to bed and we can't sleep because we have not given ourselves any time to slow down throughout the day. So yeah, I don't think that you're going to come out of every meditation session, if any, being like, that was the best thing ever. Like I, you know, I, again, don't give yourself that expectation. You're just going to have an expectation hangover afterwards. And then you're not going to want to do it again because you set an expectation that wasn't realistic to the practice. So I would say just taking that time is important on its own and don't expect anything else from it. If you do come up with like a great idea, or if you do feel more relaxed after, like those are things that might happen. You might feel amazing after you might feel super connected or super grateful, depending on the practice that you're doing. But even just sitting for five minutes is, is productive as, and is important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was just thinking you talked about going from, you know, having some chronic health issues, the burnout, and then yeah. taking some time and rethinking about your life to find calm and to find bliss. And 
what struck me when you said people think it's not productive, just sitting and being is not productive. And so as someone that was like burnt out, I'm someone that always is teeter tottering on the edge of like, I could be burnt out or I could be okay. You know, I like to, I like to play that close to the line as a preference, but I think there's some beliefs and some personality characteristics that keep us that way. But tell me, what did you personally have to do to begin to see meditation as productive? Yeah. So because I did experience that burnout and the autoimmune like disorder, I was kind of forced to. (laughs) So, uh, that's unfortunate. I wish that upon no one, I wish that, you know, just hearing that it has been that these things have benefits that slowing down has benefits is enough for you to start to incorporate it. But for me, it wasn't enough to hear it. I had heard that it was important for a long time, but I grew up as someone who, always had to get A's in school, was always a people pleaser, always putting other people's, um, other, other people's opinions, beliefs, like above my own. And because of that, that is why I, I think I got burnt out. I started working in corporate and was one of the youngest people in the office and had this idea that I had to prove myself to everyone around me. So I was working really long hours and, and, doing, yeah, never taking time to rest and just doing all these things that really weren't supportive of my health and well-being. And so when it got to the point where I was hitting snooze for two hours every morning, even though I had gotten eight hours of sleep and should have been fine, uh, I realized something was wrong. So when I went to the nutritionist, she's like, this is because of stress. She's like, you now have this autoimmune disorder because likely it's never hundred percent, but she was like, it's probably because of stress. How's your, the stress in your life? And I had never thought about it before that point, really. I think I probably complained all the time that I was stressed, but I never thought that there was something that I could do about it or never took the time to do something about it until she told me, you know, and when I could see it in my blood work, that's when I was like, okay, I need to make a change. And one of the first things that I did was starting to incorporate meditation because I found that I couldn't, I never gave myself time to, to shut off my mind again, knowing that that's not the real wording or that you should be using. Like I never gave myself time to just be, I woke up right away and was already on my way to work, would work till 9 PM, would get home, do the things around the house that needed to get done and then go to bed. And my days looked the same pretty much every day. So unfortunately it took that for me to, to see the benefit of meditation. And then in, in addition to a couple of other things, like I did change my diet and I did start working out or moving my body more. There's always more parts to the journey than just meditation. But I do think that that was one of the main things that I incorporated that really helped me to see that my mind was just always going and I needed to give myself some time to slow down. And then when I got the blood work back saying you've reversed your autoimmune disorder. I was like, okay, clearly my inclination was right. This is working well. And again, there's always other parts to it, diet, working out, all those things helped, but I found the most joy in just taking that time to slow down. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, uh, so many really important things there that struck me having someone else tell you that like you are stressed and, and I think we feel it in our bodies, but sometimes we need that external, like, oh yes, this yes. is not good. You know, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, 
I see an acupuncture lady for chronic back issues and she put a needle in my stomach and I was like, hold on. Why, why are we doing this? Why are you putting a needle there? And she's like, cause you're stressed. And I was like, checked in. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. She's right. I am stressed. Yeah. I do that's need some a, downtime. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a huge part of it. Cause you don't realize until you slow down. Oh my gosh. I have so much tension in my body. I have yeah. like, I'm not breathing properly I, throughout my, all of my days. I was breathing very shallow shallowly and just you don't realize that until you're like oh take a deep breath that's what that feels like that's what it feels like to draw my shoulders so they're not up towards my ears and like you know causing me so much um additional tension that is not needed so yeah it's not until you slow down and check in that you start to realize just how much is going on yeah absolutely and i think you know, one of the things I see sometimes in relationships, not all the time, but sometimes is a thing that can happen is we can have so many competing demands in life, whether that is housework, childcare, work, uh, just the things, the grocery store, whatever it is, seeing friends, hobbies, it all takes up time. And one of the things that really struck me, Brene Brown said in one of her books, you know, she's a bajillion. I read them all that sometimes in, in our culture, we see productivity and busyness is a badge of honor, but like almost burnout and stress exhaustion is a badge of honor. And I relate to that. I relate to being like, I'll do more. I'll do all the things I'll be up right away. I'll all succeed. I'll excel. And I mean, it works really well with my personality type. And I, I love, um, I love being busy and I love overdoing. And I, I see that in so many of my clients as well. And to connect with your partner sometimes requires, not doing to be present in your relationship requires space and time to decompress your nervous system, to be present with another human and just being is productive. Cause like you talked about, that's where we get ideas. That's where we allow all of the things racing our mind to finally slow and settle. I mean, so many people come to see me we talk about anxiety or sleep and when they lay down to go to bed that is the first time they've given their mind time to settle or slow so of course it's like rattling through all of the things that have happened that day because it hasn't had the time and what most people find not all people most people find is if they can give their time some time to we can call it worry time or just decompress time prior to going to bed they can soothe and settle more quickly when it comes to actually going to bed, especially if they do that as a practice routinely, because then as they're going to bed, they can redirect their mind. Oh, don't worry, mind tomorrow, we will have our time to decompress and think about these things. I don't have to do it now. But when your mind thinks you can only think about those things at exactly that time, because it's the only time you give it, then it's like, aha, we have to think about this now before bed. And, and so I love the idea of just having that practice, that downtime, giving your mind time to think about things. And I think it's very important in the relationship context as well. Cause another thing people tell me about is like one of the only times that they're trying to soothe and settle is when they're trying to be intimate and have sex. And as they try to, as they begin to relax and get into the experience, they're bombarded with their to-do list and all the things they haven't had time to think about. And one of the strategies I've worked on with these people as well is taking some time prior to unwinding and relaxing there to think about all of the things. So when they go to engage in their intimate experiences, they can go, okay, mind, we've already thought about this. Or like, thank you for that thought mind. We'll think about it again tomorrow and just observing like those thoughts aren't bad when people start being like oh i might think you want my to-do list or try to have sex that will make you think about your to-do list more so instead we just have to be like thank you mind for the reminder and now i'm going to refocus here but it takes a practice so anyway this is my long-winded way of saying yes it is productive it is so productive to just sit and be and give your mind some time so so we've talked about some of the misconceptions here where 
can people start out as a beginner? What tips do you have? Yeah. So I would say don't overwhelm yourself at the beginning. Like even as you were saying with the 16 minute meditation, there's already some resistance there. And so I would say, you know, reduce the barrier to entry for yourself and, you know, try like a five minute meditation first. There are studies around, you know, ideal times, time lengths, or, you know, number of times that you should meditate in a day and all of those things. And I think those are really important, but at the same time, I don't want people not trying it because they don't have a half hour in their day to try it at the beginning. I think if you can, I like to use it as kind of like a bookend to my day. It's almost exactly like what you were just talking about with before bed, giving yourself some time. And maybe you do both. Maybe you give yourself five minutes for your mind to wander and that, and worry time and all of that. And then you give yourself five minutes where you're just redirecting your breath and you're not being hard on yourself. Exactly. As you said, when your mind inevitably wanders, because knowing that it will, you can just be kind to yourself and redirect your thoughts each time. So I would say try it for five minutes in the morning or five minutes in the evening to start and increase as you kind of feel more comfortable or as it becomes a little bit maybe easier to redirect your your thoughts and your attention. If you can get to the point where you're doing like 15 to 20 minutes a day, that's incredible, but I can't even say that I do it every day. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to push that on anyone else. And the, the other thing on that I will say is even just taking some time to take some deep breaths when you're going into maybe an uncomfortable conversation or you're sitting in traffic and you find yourself starting to get annoyed, you can kind of take those deep breaths to again, regulate your nervous system. And it's not necessarily like sitting in meditation. Of course, if you're driving, you can't, you can't do that. You can't close your eyes or anything, but you can still take some of the practices that you learn from meditation into other parts of your day. So I find myself, if I'm getting worked up or I'm about to like start to, to yell, I don't, I don't really do it anymore because I am able to have the self-awareness to be like, that's not going to, to help this. I kind of am like thinking about things before I do them bringing myself into the present moment and saying, you know, that's actually the reason I was about to say that is because of like this thing that happened five years ago that I'm like bringing back up in the present moment. That's not anything related to this argument. So I will say like, as you start to do these practices, you'll find yourself fitting the principles into your day in little spots here and there. And so the, the benefits are so extensive and beyond just your five minute practice. So start, start small, of course, incorporate it more that that sitting or like laying down meditation, if you can do it every day, but then also you'll start to see that you just incorporate the breathing, the deeper breathing. You'll, you'll start to see that you check in with your body a little bit more. You see that you're, you know, you're tense and you can give yourself a little bit, do a body scan on yourself. So all of those things will find their way into your everyday, even as a beginner, as you start to practice a little bit more. Yeah. I love what you just said about some of those practices and things like coming in, taking some breaths and, you know, you've heard my experience here about meditation and how I can be pretty resistant. And in my earlier days, I was even pretty resistant to doing things like deep breathing. I just was just so resistant to it. I think, didn't think it was beneficial. Didn't like slowing down. Like I like fast paced. 
And yesterday, for example, um, like I teach not meditation, I wouldn't say meditation, but like deep breathing, relaxation yeah. skills as part of working with people um, in my psychology practice. And yesterday, for whatever reason, I was feeling pretty shaky. Like I could feel my heart racing and I had a client in five minutes and then I had four back-to-back clients in my evening. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> we are not regulated here. And I don't, I don't know what is going on, but I just... I'm feeling dysregulated. And so what I did is I just set a, a timer on my phone for two minutes and I just practiced taking deeper breaths. Cause like you were talking about earlier, I could feel the shallow breaths. I could feel the tension and it wasn't a full on meditation, but it was giving myself permission to have the time to just breathe. And I need a timer to do it because I'll be like, Oh yeah, I did like three breaths. Why am I not better yet? Like, how come it hasn't worked? But like, it's, it's not long enough. Like, yeah, if you can take one or two deep breaths, that's better than zero. But I find to really get into the rhythm, I need a, a longer stretch of time, usually yeah. at least two minutes. And the research, actually, there is some research that suggests four minutes of deeper breathing does help to re-regulate the nervous system and change the oxygenation levels in your bloodstream. So I shoot, I try to shoot for four, but I actually only had five minutes and I had some other things to do. So I was like, we'll go with two. And I find, you know, just bringing in some of those principles can be regulating when I'm willing to do them. And I have to think about why, because there's part of me that's like, no, I'm just going to go into my work, see my clients, just do all the things. And I was like, okay, no, my energy is going to be off when I show up in that way. What is the energy I want to give to my clients? Do I want to give them some frantic energy? No, my job is to be the regulator, not the yeah. dysregulator. So it was like my responsibility in that moment to apply some of the principles that I don't love so I could show up in the better version of myself. Yeah. So and I love that small bit. So you're talking about. Yeah. It, the idea that like when I check all these things off my list, then I'll take time to slow down is something that I I still find myself falling into sometimes. I'm like, no, well, I didn't get it in the morning. I'll do it in the evening. And then it's just inevitable that things will get in the way of that practice. There is always going to be a million more things to do. And when I started to kind of accept that I was able to, to fit the meditation in, even when I did feel like I was, you know, a little bit too busy to do it. I can, I can fit it in because it's kind of calming to know that I'm never going to finish everything. At first I thought that was very anxiety inducing. Like I'm never Mm going to check everything off my list, but it's just impossible. There's always going to be another book I want to read or podcast that I I could be listening to. So I kind of, when I realized that like a weight was lifted off my shoulders being like, yes, like some things are due today, but I have a lot of time to do them. So I'm going to just take the time right now so that I can exactly like you're saying, show up in a better energy and serve myself better. You'll show up with better focus and clarity because you're practicing that single tasking. Like there are so many benefits to doing it. So yeah, try to not get into the habit of saying, I will do it when I finished all those things on my list. And yeah, that's something I have to remind myself all the time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And I think one of the other things is uh, you know, we always have two minutes to do something. Okay. It can feel like we don't have two minutes, but if you're doing two minutes or five minutes, at the end of your day, those two or five minutes, okay, like I can scroll on Instagram for 20 minutes and think it was two. And so it's just prioritizing where do you want to spend that energy sometimes and and making the choice that two minutes isn't going to make or break anything else. Five minutes isn't going to make or break anything else. And I'm going to be a more regulated, effective human if I take those two or five or 10 or 15 minutes 
to re-regulate my nervous system and I'm not going to burn myself out because it's going to have the opportunities to restore and relax and regenerate so I can be a better person moving forward. So we've talked about incorporating as a beginner a little bit, and you are so gracious to allow me to put you on the spot on the recording and, and take us through just an intro, a little uh, meditation that we could do or try. And this one's going to be short because it's worked in. So you can do it along with us, but Jasmine might do her own disclaimer, but like, look, if you're driving, this isn't the time. So if you know, you can kind of hear her words, but don't get yourself into a state. We're going to get yourself into an accident. Uh, so, you know, bookmark this, come back to it later. If you're driving or in a dangerous situation or can't do it and give it a whirl later on your own time. So Jasmine, you can give any disclaimer you want or take us wherever you want to go now, but work us into a little beginner meditation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was good. So just make sure that you're safe, of course, before doing this, because I will ask you to close your eyes. So only doing that, if it is comfortable and safe for you, if it is not comfortable for you to completely close your eyes, then just like lowering your gaze a little bit, looking towards the floor or maybe your legs, depending on how you are seated and you can get into whatever position is comfortable for you. So it's totally okay to just stay where you are, maybe raising you know, your back so that you're, you have a lengthened back, dropping your shoulders down away from your ears, and then gently allowing your eyes to lower your gaze to close. And just start to check in with how you're currently breathing. Where do you feel your breath the most? Maybe it's in your nostrils. Maybe it's in your chest or your belly. Checking in with the rise and the fall. Seeing how your body responds to your inhale and your exhale. Checking in just briefly with your body. So noticing if there's any tension in your forehead, maybe between your eyebrows. If you're squeezing your eyes or your eyelids, just allowing them to soften any creasing Checking in with your mouth, your jaw, we hold a lot of tension here. So just seeing if you can release, finding a comfortable place for your tongue, and once more, just checking in with those shoulders, creating some more space between your ears and your shoulders, letting them drop down. And together, let's just take three deep breaths. So breathing in deeply through your nostrils. And then breathing out, letting it leave through your mouth with a big sigh, maybe a big sound. <sighs> letting your body soften with that exhale. 
And then doing that two more times at your own pace. Breathing in. Sighing out. Last one, if you haven't already. And then returning your breath to its natural rhythm. Just noticing how you're feeling. And then whenever you're ready, you can open back up your eyes. And that was about three minutes. So nothing too crazy, but you can already often start to feel your mind beginning to slow down your breath, feeling a little bit better in your body, just slowing that nervous system down. So yeah, I hope that was, we didn't do the full four minutes, but <laughs> you know, that science says, but the three minutes I find is, is good in and of itself. So yeah. Yeah. I think three minutes is good in and itself. Well, let's, let's do a debrief here. So my eyes were closed. So I didn't see what you were doing, but when I opened my eyes, your eyes were closed. So I'm assuming you were doing it as you were talking. Is that right? So you can't really meditate as a teacher. It's a very okay. interesting yeah, it's, it's very strange. And that was something I had to learn when I was doing my teacher <laughs> training, because I was like, oh, if I get too into it, I'm yeah. not going to be able to instruct properly or like take into account other people's energy and all of those kind of things. So for a shorter practice like this, I do close my eyes because I'm not going to totally get sucked in, but for my half hour meditations that I do as classes, or even like the 15 minute ones, I, I do actually keep my eyes open and it's helpful for me, especially because I do them over zoom. If people join with their camera and stuff, I can kind of see those visual cues that lets me know if how people are feeling and I get a sense of people's energy. So I do like to keep my eyes closed, but every teacher is, is different. The thing that you have to keep in mind is you can't get too into it because yeah. you do need to be looking at everyone else or like feeling into what they are feeling. So it's a, it's a fine line. <laughs> okay. Well, let's debrief how we're feeling a little bit. So you did a little bit, you were also guiding. So you're not fully yeah. into your own experience. I was like, all right, we're going with it. I'm going to let go of my resistance. I like Jasmine. <laughs> I trust Jasmine. We're just going to go with, go with it here. And, um, so I'll just share some of my experiences and, and yeah. those of you listening, like see what you relate to, see what you don't. So right away, when I noticed my breath, I noticed I was breathing shallowly, like into my chest. I could feel it kind of like in my sternum. I can tell that it wasn't going all the way down. That was the first thing I noticed. And then I noticed, um, as she was cueing us through some of the places we hold tension. So I know that I hold tension in my shoulders and I was like, Oh yes, they're probably up higher than they need to be. Let's drop those down. And then when you went through the shoulders, the second time I was like, okay, they can still go down lower. Uh, I have a lot funny? of tension. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, I think if I went back to it again, I could even probably drop them more and out of habit, I probably am raising them up when you're not telling me to drop them down. 
And yeah. so I noticed tension in the furrow of my brow and like consciously letting that go and being like, oh yes, feel those little weird muscles in there. I can feel them right now when usually I'm not even aware that my face has muscles. Mm-hmm. I could feel, feel the tension in my jaw being like, let that go. When you're like, is your tongue comfortable? I was like, weird. I've never thought about my tongue being comfortable. Is it comfortable? Yeah, I think it's comfortable. Ooh, there's some stuff on my teeth. You know, you like, have these interesting <laughs> thoughts, but I think like, okay, that's just a good example. I was start thinking about my teeth, the fact that I have teeth, the fact like, are my teeth clean? <laughs> I think that's just a good example of like allowing your mind to be like, oh yeah, whatever. Sure. Interesting thought. And just being like neat thought anyway, then redirect back to the sound of Jasmine's voice. And I found, you know, just almost starting to feel uh, like a falling asleep, like on the first kind of phase of, of moving in that direction where- yeah. You know, I just drank three cups of coffee. Should I be falling asleep? I'm sorry, (laughs) but but it's like a a a soothing or a settling. I don't know what what experiences do you usually hear from people even within three minutes? Yeah, so common common areas of tension, which is why I point them out, is the forehead and between the eyebrows. I am always creasing in between my eyebrows, so it's one I always have to remind myself of. Um, Same thing with jaw, and it's funny. I'm like. My tongue is never like super comfortable, but I will say if anyone else feels like that, what I have been taught and what I've found is placing it against the backs of the tops of my teeth is the best place for it to kind of be relaxed um, while you're in meditation. So it's like a funny place (laughs) to put it. I mean, maybe it won't work for everyone, but that's often where I find myself um, having to put it. And that's where I found it helpful. And yeah, same thing. Shoulders are almost always raised on people. And even between the, that's why I even gave the two reminders, because it's been just enough time that you might already be starting, especially if like, this is a new practice and you're feeling kind of uncomfortable, you might already start to raise them. Um, I will say a lot of times people are surprised that I, um, and you might not have been because you do breathing exercises, but that I say to breathe out through your mouth a couple of times, but there is really such a feeling of like release and letting go when you let that breath come out through your mouth, especially if you allow it to accompany a sigh or a big, like a sound, like letting out whatever you feel like you need to, um, is really, really helpful for releasing and yeah, starting to tap into that. Okay. It's okay to be relaxed. It's okay to take this time. I don't need to be thinking. And I didn't even give any reminders of like, Oh, is your mind wandering? Because it was, yeah, such a short practice. I just wanted to do a little bit of that check-in, but if you do it for any, any longer and you already did have, you know, do it, you were saying, you know, my mind was wandering and that's okay, but let's redirect to, to my breath. So yeah, even within three minutes, totally normal for your mind to be wandering, even though someone is maybe giving you cues, it's still very common to kind of go down that rabbit hole, but just remind yourself that's not important right now. (laughs) I can think about that later if it's really important and bringing yourself back to your breath. So yeah, very, very common. The body scan is like such a good practice. I do those a lot in my evening classes to help people fall asleep um, or get them into the zone to fall asleep. And I do it to myself before I go to bed. And that's Mm -hmm. my favorite thing to, to relax and reduce stress because you don't realize how many different areas you're like tensing. A lot of the times it's actually my toes 
that I'm like, I have like them curled up. I'm like, why? Well, there's no need for this. <laughs> so yeah, it's just funny to, to see, but it, it's so good. Such a good practice to check in with yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I liked what you said about like the breathing out through your mouth and the um, releasing and relaxing. And what's interesting, as you said that I was re- pulled back into how I felt during that. You're like, okay, breathe out through your mouth and make a sound like a sigh, if that would feel good or whatever. And I have this, now that you're saying it, I remember having this like brief moment of a thought, like breathe out with a sigh. That's weird. And then you did it. And I was, that kind of gave me permission to be like, okay, just, just, just try it Amber, whatever. Like, you know, I used to do a lot of yoga and you would like breathe with a sigh in yoga and it feels good and everyone's mm-hmm. doing it. So you're like, okay. Um, and when we did that just now and I breathed with the sigh, you do get that little release. It's like something let's go. And you're like, yeah, that does yeah. feel good. Let's, let's kind of do it again. And it feels odd, but like there is that huge, um, yeah. Releasing thing. I like that. You said that it was a great, great reminder. And, you know, so I'm, I'm curious for everybody that's listening right now, as I'm debriefing my own experience, cause I'm the one participating here yes. right now. Um, you know, I encourage you to give it a whirl, just listen and see what's your experience. And it's okay. If your experience is radically different than mine. Um, one of the things I do, so again, I don't teach meditation, but I teach deep breathing, which has mm-hmm. some overlaps to meditation sure. as part of a, um, a relaxation process to treat anxiety. And I, I used to facilitate a lot of really large workshops, uh, full day workshops as a professional speaker. And um, one of the things I found is I would teach deep breathing to these like large rooms of anywhere from 20 people to to thousand people. And I would teach breathing. And uh, as you know, someone that didn't have experience in meditation, just teaching an anxiety workshop where the breathing exercise naturally fell was usually right around lunch. And so sometimes I would do it before lunch and sometimes I would do it after lunch. And one of the things I learned in in my experience is before lunch was better because people were kind of hungry, but it, you know, got them tired or whatever. And then they could get up, move around and move their bodies. But when I did the meditation after lunch, after eating, I like had them asleep and they were not engaged participants for the rest of the afternoon. And I just, I couldn't get them going. And I would have people give me feedback. Like that was really great. We love the meditation, but then we couldn't focus for the rest of the, or they didn't call it meditation. We love the breathing, but then we couldn't focus for the rest of the afternoon. And I would have to do like some, uh, some re-engagement, re-energizing exercise after that in the afternoon. If I, what I learned is I would have to do energizing things in the afternoon. If I did that in the afternoon, if it just didn't fall into the morning schedule, Mm -hmm. because people would get kind of in that relaxation state just by breathing. And I wasn't teaching meditation. I was just teaching some breathing. So I think it's, and then I would also have people in those workshops, I'd debrief it, be like, what did you feel? What happened in your bodies? And 90% of people would be like, I'm calm and I'm relaxed. And then I have 10% of people being like, I hated that. I'm so uncomfortable in my body and I want to squirm away. And so I think that just goes back to like, we all have different experiences. And I think the only way to figure out what is our experience and is it helpful is to try it multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I think multiple times is the key because we can have different experiences as we try something for the first time and just debrief it with yourself. Like, how did I feel? What did I notice? What did I like? What did I not like? And I think uh, when I'm teaching deep breathing, a lot of my clients do well when they're listening to my voice, but when they do it on their own, they, it's not enough distraction for them as well or guidance. Mm-hmm. And so they do better with recordings. And I encourage people to just figure out what feels better for them. Is it listening to the cues that someone gives you? So I really like listening to Jasmine because I have the cues from her voice telling me what to do and it helps limit the thoughts in my mind. Whereas if I do it on my own, my mind is like, ooh, all the things. Yeah. I love guided meditations too. And I I just want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier, which was when 
you are like, you're encouraging your clients to, when they're in the shower, thinking about that, the fact that they're in the shower, when they're doing the dishes, you know, thinking about the fact that they're doing the dishes that very much overlaps with mindfulness meditation. So I would say to someone who wants to try meditation, but maybe isn't ready, it's not comfortable for them to like sit in meditation, try those other things too. try just redirecting your attention to the practice that you're doing when you are doing the dishes or something like that. And that might be a better way. Like a lot of people will say, I get into a meditative state when I do this, when I work out, when I knit, I don't know, whatever it is. And so if you have a practice like that, again, you are doing something. So I wouldn't say that it's, you know, like the traditional meditation, but if it gets you into that state where you can focus on your breathing and on your thoughts and redirecting your attention, then do it and use that as kind of like a transition into the, you know, traditional meditation where you're sitting, or I encourage a lot of lying down, like, cause I think mm-hmm. it's more comfortable for people. So doing those kinds of things. Yeah. Just find what works for you right now and know that you can always try new things in the future, but see what, what feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See what feels good. So one of the things I talked about starting off this podcast is when we're in conflict conversations, our partner walks away, they need space. or we're about to say things we don't mean is re-regulating our nervous systems. So taking an intentional break. And oftentimes when we're with our partner, the time we need to re-regulate our nervous system for most people is probably 45 minutes of intentionally trying to not think about whatever's making you mad. Cause if you keep thinking about with intention, what's making you mad, you get more mad. And what you'll notice as what people always tell me when they're trying to not think about it is they think about it. Well, of course you think about it, but if you redirect your attention somewhere else with intention, it helps you to calm down. So why I wanted to bring Jasmine on in particular is just to give you a strategy when you're in that position where you need a break, where you need to take a break to re-regulate your nervous system. And now you have that quick three minuter, which could be incorporated into a distraction or relaxation plan when your nervous system is overwhelmed and you need to take a break from your partner when you're in a conflict conversation. I mean, obviously this recording could be useful in so many domains and facets of life, but particularly that was what I was thinking. And so one of the things I do have is a free guide called 50 strategies to calm anger and anxiety. And the goal of that guide is to help you take effective breaks when you are in Uh, conflict with your partner. And so you can go to www.emberrelationshippsychology.com. And if you go to the free guide section, that's where you'll find it. But I'll also link that, that guide in the show notes. So if you don't necessarily love meditation, but you want to think about other things to do to calm down, you could make a checklist for yourself there. Or alternatively, meditation is on the checklist. And now you have a meditation that you can do to calm and soothe your nervous system to re-regulate, to better engage and show up with your partner. So I also know that you've got this two minute here, but Jasmine also has a freebie meditation for you. Can you tell us a little bit about where they could, well, we'll link your freebie to the show notes here. So just go to the show notes, but can you tell them a little bit about that five minute or that you have, if, if they're interested in hearing more from you? Yeah, for sure. It's actually very similar to kind of how we started off today. It is something you can do wherever you are, as long as you're safe to close your eyes and kind of check in with yourself. And I do some deep breathing in it, you know, those three deep breaths, and then also a little bit more of a check-in with like, how are you feeling? How are different parts of your body feeling? And some more reminders to focus on your breath. So it's just five minutes because I do want more people to try meditation. And then, uh, you know, if you enjoy it, continue using it, but that one is, is kind of my 
entry level. Yeah. Just check in with yourself and use it as like a pocket meditation whenever you need it. Mm, a pocket meditation. I yeah. like that. <laughs> okay. So one final question for you today. One of the, you know, resistances or feedback I get from people is like meditation is woo woo. So woo woo. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. It's like witchcraft. I don't know what people come up with, but tell us why is this not woo woo? I mean, we've talked about that kind of all the way through, but why is it not from your point of view and tell us. Yeah. So you can definitely do meditations that are super woo woo and about being connected to the energy of the universe and all of those things. And like, I still love those, but when I was getting into meditation, I was not in a place where I was able to even, I don't know, start to be like accepting of those kinds of things. I've always been very practical, like checking things off lists and, and doing all those things. Like it's very type A personality. So that was not for me. What was for me and why I teach now is because there are so, so many practical benefits, like everything from exactly as you're saying, using this in real life con like context where you're about to snap and you're in a, a reactive mode in a conversation or an argument and taking that time to, to breathe and to relax your nervous system is so not woo woo. It's so important. It's important for the health of your relationship. As I kind of, um, mentioned, it's what transformed my own health. (laughs) Like actually I saw on blood work results that it reversed, um, or was part of the, the, techniques and tools that helped me to reverse my Hashimoto's. There are just so, so many practical benefits. Um, it helps you to boost your mood. So if you ever feel like you're kind of down again, like anxiety ridden or anything like that, like just try it for a few minutes and you will see benefits within that five minutes, likely like you're in the nerve, you know, you're relaxing your nervous system. You're switching to like from fight or flight into rest and digest. You're allowing yourself more permission to just be and and not to do all the time. But you'll also see, as we kind of talked about those extended benefits as well, where you start to take the principles and apply them into your everyday life. And the least woo woo thing about it, I think is that the fact that it helps you to be more productive. So even if you are like very much on the, you know, this is, uh, I don't know, this is like weird or a waste of time, or it's, you know, it's unproductive. It studies show it actually helps with your productivity. It helps you to boost focus, boost clarity. You are, you know, forcing yourself to single task. And that is such a game changer with your productivity. So yeah, if nothing else, do it for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not woo woo. Give it a whirl. I mean, just try, try this three minutes that she gave us and see what happens. Do an experiment for yourself. So I could talk to Jasmine forever. Uh, she is someone, like I said, calm energy made me feel more calm today. Uh, has great information about common beliefs people have, how to overcome those. She just breaks this down so beautifully, tells us about her life. Jasmine, I can't thank you enough for being with me today. I have learned so much from you and I feel calmer in my life today because of you. Uh, Thank you for being here. I just appreciate you a ton. No, thank you so much for giving me this platform and for putting all the relationship spin on things because that's so, so important. And uh, I love learning from you. So yeah, thank you for, for letting me be on. Yeah, my pleasure. So if people are feeling this, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? We've got the freebie linked, but what, where else can they find you? 
Yeah. Instagram, I am both at, at Jasmine Irvin and at Sustainable Bliss Co. And the website is sustainablebliss.co.com. And yeah, you'll find the freebie on there as well as my weekly classes and information about my membership, which is not currently open for enrollment, but will be in a couple of months. And so that gives you access to all of my meditations, a bunch of recordings and a community element as well. So that's what I'm building and super excited about. And yeah, but Instagram is definitely the main place to find me. <laughs> well, now you know where to find her. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.